Hello. Hey there, Isla. How are you today? I'm doing better than your voice sounds. Yeah, I have been a little down for the count this last month. I ended up with pneumonia and uh, asthma. So, uh, but I'm getting back little by little. It's good to see your face, hon. It's really good to see you. And uh, sorry you've been ill. It's uh, no fun to have a lung infection or pneumonia, as the rest of us call it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I wanted to start off today by it, once one of the things that I've always really appreciated about Hermity Voices and the work that you do is that intersectionality and to say welcome to Black History Month to everybody and really acknowledge that solidarity between the indigenous community and the black community and also people who are members of both because there's not always an acknowledgement of that um, intersection and reality, I guess. So, yeah, for some reason, humans have a tendency of putting people strictly in little boxes and, um, don't know that the world is basically watercolor. It's not clearly defined, right? Yeah. So we have this beautiful spectrum within most of us. And, um, so it's good that we at least acknowledge it it does my heart good. I'm so excited about who we're going to have on today because we're going to hear an awful lot about that intersectionality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and we're going to talk. A, you and I will talk a little bit about the the upcoming celebration of 15 years of Harmony Voices, and but before we talk about the actual celebration, one of the things that I was hoping to to share a little bit with people is. There are a lot of folks in the world who see challenges or um, issues coming up, but but you you went from obviously you're always really interconnected to people, and at the same time you were always playing these benefit concerts, and then you went from that to actually doing this humanitarian work. What? Do you know what that spark was that caused that shift to create her many voices? Like beyond the fact that there was a tragedy, like I, I know that the, the Haitian earthquake was deeply moving to you and inspiring, but there was something in you that made that become a, an organization, right? Because a lot of people care, but they don't go into that. Yeah, I I actually started her many, her many voices before the 2010 earthquake in okay. Haiti. Um, and it was a combination of things. You know, I find that people in the arts, many people, you hear about the starving artists, right? Mm -hmm. But we also have to recognize it's usually the artist that raises their hand first and says, hey, listen, I might not have any money, but I'm here for the cause. And so time and time again, that's what I was experiencing, you know, and for me personally, being a musician at the time, it just seemed like a natural thing to do. Um, we were doing local benefits for some time. And um, it could be, you know, there's a woman who's dealing with breast cancer or whatever it is, you know. And, and so why not come together for a couple of hours and see what we can do to help ease something in someone else's life? You know, I mean, obviously, our core value is whatever I do for another, I do for myself. So you can't help but feel better about life in general if you show up for someone else as well. 
Um, so between being an artist and being able to, we first, our tag was artist response to humanitarian need. And that's how it started out. Um, but there's a woman by the name of Yensina Larson. She's the founder of World Pulse. And Yensina, it was truly an inspiration for me. Um, every time I listened to her, I just, all I could think of and all I could say to her is, I love you, whatever it is you need, any way I can help, let me know. And um, after the first gathering where I went to Portland, Oregon, and I played in front of a group of women, it turns out it was Yensina's very first um, fundraiser. And I said, okay, we got to do something in Colorado. And, um, and that's when came back and we set up a date. We were going to have this big event. Um, and as a matter of fact, Myrna was at that event. Um, and of course, as the gods happen, um, there was a big old snowstorm and no one showed up except for Myrna and maybe, you know, 10 other people. But there was a spark and there was a ripple effect. So I always remind people, regardless of, you might sit home and think, well, who am I? Well, who you are is this powerful individual and connected to this mycelium network of humanity. And all we need to do is to tap into that. And we can have such an impact in life across the board. Um, so that's how we got started. That was really my inspiration. And, um, you know, time and time again, with the amount of support that I have experienced personally, even through all of the roller coaster rides, I have so much gratitude because we are in this place today and our network is growing. You know, we've gone beyond just, not just, but gone beyond um, artists to expand to global community members and activists. So here we are today, mm -hmm. and 15 years feels like I just blinked my eyes, and here we are. Yes, no, I, I, I know I started with you six years ago, because one of the first events we did was the 10-year anniversary, and when we were talking about it, I was like, wait, we're at 15? How did that happen? Wow. <laughs> so it's the, and I'd love to talk a little bit about one of the things, I personally think they got gala, gala. Uh, celebration, we'll call it, so that we can avoid the the pronunciation challenges, is going to be kind of magical. And I know you and Victoria Myrna are going to talk about it a little bit more in detail, but um, there's just, it's going to be such an expression of that creativity, that solidarity, and that intersectionality with the performers and the food and the experiences. Do you want to share any uh, feelings or thoughts about that? Um, there again, I go back to artists can be so inspirational. And regardless of what the topic is, whether it's challenging, whether it's joyous, whatever it is, it gets to take us to another level and it gets to, it's like a whole other language where we, it's, there's a commonality to it. You know, it's almost like music. We can speak each other's language in this moment. We can put aside the differences we might have, whether they are political, personal, whatever it is, and we can come together and we can listen to power and strength and how we can work together on whatever it is in the world. 
And um, I, I know having Thea Wilson and Tashia Love and, and Tommy Muhulu, and we have a couple of other people who are coming to the table, they hold that space. They always hold that space, fathers. Um, so I am just thrilled that we're going to have this, this, uh, this gathering. Um, it's a tremendous honor for me to have people say yes in this light. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm just, I'm just literally looking forward to it. And yeah. I'm also, I have the privilege of bringing my um, almost 98-year-old mom with me to the event. She's going to be joining, and we're going to be celebrating her 98th birthday in, in March as well. Yeah. No, your mom is such a great, she has so much energy. She puts us all to shame. Yeah, and she's inspirational, that's for sure. She really is. And I feel like, especially with, the, you know, as as you know, we're, we're very aware of the this. There's so many deeply horrible and challenging things occurring in the world, in the in the the environment that are happening to mother earth and to her children and i know that one of the things that we've acknowledged here at her many voices is the awareness that the antidote to this in addition to direct action in different places is being connected in community and for me that's a big part of why this event feels important right now in the midst of the the fear that i see happening in in the people around me and you know online in the news to feel this sense of people coming together in community with a sense of commitment and hope to building something better different and more engaged it feels so important that that we show up for one another in these moments and really celebrate and support the ways that we can make a difference and build something lasting that does respect mother earth and her children, one another, and our future ancestors. I think we have so we have seemingly a lot, but I think it's more of a handful of people who focus on the differences and to try to tear us apart and distract us in a lot of ways. And um, the majority of us who are on the quieter side, we are the masses. And we don't want to engage in those kind of things because it serves no purpose. It does not elevate humanity. It does nothing for the vibration of this world and beyond. Yes. And so the fact that we get to come together and share and we have the dialogues, and oftentimes we sit at tables where the dialogues are diff they're difficult to have. Mm -hmm. And yet we do it. And we are more connected and how can I go to war with someone if I've sat and I've had shared a meal with them and I've talked about my children and their grandchildren? And, you know, these are the things that are needed in the world. And I believe, I truly in the very core of me believe that the majority of the people of this planet choose those kind of interactions. They do yeah. not choose fear. They choose to engage in love. I, I agree and I feel that and I'm glad to be here with you and also to to introduce uh, Victoria Carrington Chavez, who is going to be our guest today. She's also been our uh, primary 
uh, storyteller magician. Uh, <laughs> and uh, last year she spoke for Indigenous Peoples Day on the Afro-Indigenous identity. So in addition to the, the many things that she's done to support the mission specifically of her many voices, her own journey is very reflective of the things that I know that we stand for here and that, that we want to elevate in the world. So um, we're very excited to have you here today, uh, Victoria. And uh, I think, I don't know, anything else that you want to add, Alicia, before we hop off? No, I'm just looking forward to seeing Myrna and Victoria today. And yeah, and let's get moving. <laughs> oh, Myrna, we can't hear you. I do that every week, every time. <laughs> Hello, Victoria. Thank you so much for being here for Gaia Gossip. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. I'm thrilled and honestly, like, there's tears of just gratitude because I think as I look at my story and I look at like how we started and talking about that solidarity between black and indigenous cultures and, you know, um, like that's been my whole life, but I'm, I'm starting to feel seen finally after all of these years. And so I'm just really honored to, uh, to be in a space and to share space as an artist, as a create, you know, a creative person who, wants to uh, spread love and light to the world. So I'm just so excited to be here. <laughs> Victoria, you are a beautiful living example of that intersectionality that I, Alicia and Aisla were talking about, right? Um, you're literally a beautiful blending of, of different races, but different cultures as well. Um, so I can't wait to kind of dive into that conversation. Um, before we do, First, I'd love for you to introduce yourself, right? And then also, what does that mean to you to be a living example of this intersectionality that's so important? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, Victoria Karen Chavez, and um, I grew up in, in Colorado, and my mom is Dene Navajo and Mexican, and my dad is African-American. And a little bit about me as I'm an artist, a painter, a graphic designer, a website designer, and I have my own branding and marketing agency called Lilac and Aspen, which is a nod to my two homes. While I'm born and raised in Colorado, that is home. The mountains are my sacred place. I currently reside in New England. And so um, I feel far, but yet always super close. And so to answer your question, you know, what that means is uh, there's been so many gifts from kind of growing up in that multicultural lens. Um, I, you know what you know, right? And when you're a kid, like you don't always know that maybe not everybody has a different experience, but I, I love the fact that I was able to celebrate like multiple holidays or celebrate like different kind of aspects. Like, you know, we talk about Black History Month. We talk about like Hispanic Heritage Month. We talk about, you know, um, we didn't talk necessarily as much about the Native American um, part of my identity because my grandfather survived residential schools. But in the work that I've done through art, I've actually been able to have a space of re reclamation and healing. And that's part of why speaking at Indigenous Peoples Day was such a such an honor. And then thinking of our 15 year celebration, my mother is is going to also attend. Uh, so Alicia, uh, your mother and my mother are probably gonna cut up a dance floor. 
but it's also empowering and inspiring because my that when I spoke at Indigenous Peoples Day last year for Urban Native Collective, that was the first time that my mother was able to wear a ribbon skirt in public. That was the first time she was really able to show the world who she is because it hasn't always felt safe. And so what I love is that because of how I look, which is super beautiful, I also get to be that living example because I, I, I can't hide who I am and I get to be a challenge to the system, but I also get to be an educator and, and to do that in such a loving, meaningful way. I always like to say, you know, I'm, you know, when you come from multiple cultures and people are willing to cross boundaries to love one another. And when you're somebody that's created from that, like you just can't help but radiate that love. Wow, that is really beautiful. Really beautiful how you brought all that together. Um, it's also, you know, I just was reflecting on that generally America is supposed is is truly a melting pot, right? It's we are a blend of so many cultures from all over the world and always have been more or less right now. I know there's a lot of detail there, but but it's nice because now I feel like we, things are kind of more divided in our culture, and it's that's a that's a difficult thing. It's it talks about separateness, but really I think we all have the idea that there's this oneness of humanity, and so again, you're a living example of that. So um, I really love that, and I think it's really really important that you're also an example of the melting pot, right? Absolutely, absolutely, and. You know, it's when we think of representation, you know, I'm always honored to to be a part of that. But some of it is also me just kind of being who I am, because the other part of the intersectionality is growing up in Colorado. I did a lot of outdoor stuff with my family. That was and actually like I do smile and I am excited because those times in nature, which is why her many voices feel so aligned for me in so many ways. But, you know, as we talk about Mother Nature and we talk about the importance of our of our Earth, those time in nature with my family were some of the best times of my childhood, like campfires. I just remember like sitting on the hood of my parents' car watching, you know, the the meteor showers um, out near Uray, Colorado, and, you know, some of the swimming in lakes and just the love and laughter that would come in the times that I was camping with my family or hiking or fishing with my dad, which like, I, it didn't occur to me that like fishing with my dad is is something that you might not think that a you know mixed cultural it's a uh, it's one of my cherished memories. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, you're. I don't know. Do you want to share a few of your pictures? Um, I don't know if we can do that right now, but it'd be a good time to talk about a little bit more about those. Um, experiences. I know that they, the connection to nature is important for all of humanity and so many of us are caught in these concrete jungles and we just don't prioritize it like we should. It's literally good for our health, right? Also to be, it's our, our mental health, our physical health. Um, so uh, can we, I don't know if we can put up any pictures. Did you have those? Um, and the other thing is, I think you had talked about being out and um, taking pictures of, was it an elk? And some of those, you want to tell one of those stories? Yeah, so, I, so I'll start with a picture of my dad first, um, you know, so people can kind of see. But um, 
when I was a teenager, I wanted to take pictures. I Photography was my first real creative love outside of drawing and painting. And my dad would take me all around, you know, me and my mom, and we'd load up in the car and we'd take these drives um, across the Western Slope into like Rocky Mountain National Park, you know, Steamboat. And he, we would stop and he'd pull over and let me take pictures. And I just remember that being so key for, for my myself as a budding creative to be able to have that exploration, to have that space. And, um, and as I got older, I didn't realize too that I didn't see a ton of people that look like me or my family outdoors. And so I like didn't realize also how unique and, and really beautiful this experience was and also the privilege of it, right? Like when we talk about accessibility and we talk also and we, un when we pull back the layers, unfortunately, a lot of BIPOC communities are in urban concrete spaces where they might not always have that access. And so I felt really blessed to be able to not only be in nature, but then also have my my dad and my mom both support. You know, they bought me my first camera when I was a teenager and like to support and be like, we're just going to go around and take pictures. And one of my most favorite pictures I took on in one of those teenage adventures is the elk picture. And I don't even know how we got that picture, but I just felt so alive. Um, when I was in high school, I wanted to be a photographer for National Geographic and having that moment of catching that elk in, in its, all its beauty and all its presence was just so inspiring. My mom loves elk. She actually goes to Estes every year um, it, during writing season, listens to them. Like she says, she says a couple things about the outdoors. She says the mountains are where she can feel and hear the ancestors the most. And then she also talks about how during that elk season, there's something that's very soothing about the rutting, the call, the mating call. Like it's it's medicine to her. And like, we know how, uh, how special animal medicine can be. And yeah. so I'd love to just have you tell a little bit about what the elk mean in Estes Park. Like it's a thing in Colorado, right? Yeah, and I mean, I feel like it means something different to everybody, but the elk, so elk season in Estes Park is where usually they call it rutting season, it's mating season and the elk will gather the herd. The bull elk is looking to add more to his uh, uh, his, his group of elk there. <laughs> and so essentially the, they, they blast these like big calls. I can't recreate it, but it's like a bugle. And I will not try either. <laughs> try. Like it's not gonna be cool, um, but it's just really cool because if you're in certain parts of Estes Park, you can really just watch them move through. Now, I always like to give this warning because people will come from all over the world to see this. Elk are wild animals. They are very territorial and they are very powerful. And I, I, I used to live in Evergreen with my dad and same kind of thing. And I also didn't, I, like I would see the elk at the library. I would see them at the grocery store, you know, the same kind of connection and you know, there was one time that I actually did had to help somebody from Texas who was trying to take a picture and he got out of his car and got super close and then the bull charged him and then he had to hide behind something and, you know, I'm honking my horn in my car to distract the elk to save this person. 
please don't be that person, people. (laughs) This is the PSA. As cool and beautiful as nature is, it is also wild, you know, which kind of actually leads into the, um, the, the reclamation that I do in a lot of ways of my life is there's like this Henry David Thoreau quote that I loved and that, you know, all good things are wild and free. And so like my social media is wild and Lee, my middle name is Lee because I really want to be that wild and free space. And that can mean so many different things, but, um, connecting with the elk and going to the Rocky Mountain National Park is one of those ways that I find that grounding of freedom and I find that grounding of wildness um, to connect to who I who I am um, without society telling me who I am or what box I should be in because I don't fit in a box. And it's, and it's, it's really part of nature, the wild animals like that. Um, and I just, I just know if you're not from Colorado, you might not realize or might not know as much about that because and but if there's a time of year when people know they go up to the mountains and they are able to see all these wild animals hundreds just right there in in town or near town and it really is uh an experience to see that yep. yeah and i, I love that <laughs> pardon there's sometimes hundreds of elk at yeah. one time that you'll see up there yeah and so how wonderful that your mom connected it you're literally your mom talked to you about this growing up and she connected it to the, the importance of nature. It's, it may reminds me of the life cycle as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's great. We have a partnership with an organization called Children and Nature Network. And I just wanted to mention, I interviewed Brenda Kessler uh, last year in May. Um, and yeah, last year in May, I interviewed her. And she's with the School Green Yards the program coordinator and she she works very closely with this organization so that we talked a lot about children and nature network in her interview if anyone wants to go back and listen to that so just connecting some dots here for it for everybody i love your when you said earlier at the very beginning about your mom wearing a certain skirt was it to reclaim her indigenous heritage um but the fact that she hadn't been able to do that or hadn't wanted to do that um, shows also how important important that all was for her. Yeah, yeah, I am, you know, my mom, my good friend, um, Peggy Patatagoose made, has has made me ribbon skirts. Um, this is, you know, she's my, my best friend's mom and she's somebody who kind of helped me find my way back to my indigenous roots and my indigenous connections because that was, you know, disrupted. And so she made me a ribbon skirt and made my mom a ribbon skirt. So when I got to speak um, in Cincinnati, um, I presented my mom with her first ribbon skirt. And I, sh- I just remember her holding it and, and, and being like, I hear them. I hear my ancestors. I feel like they're finally with me again. And like that just being so powerful. And um, it like I just am so honored to be able to give that space to my parents. And as I'm kind of talking about the gifts that they gave me in, you know, traveling around and being outdoors and doing that, like now I get to kind of in turn, give those things back to them and help them, you know, reclaim, you know, um, who they, who they are. You know, one of the last pictures that we had had up is me and my dad going to Zion national park, which was on my bucket list for years to go to Zion and I took my camera and, and actually it was really cool. I got to see Aisla in Utah over, over, um, 
uh, you know, fall, fall break holidays. And um, I was able to just go check out Zion and see this beauty. And um, we were sitting in like one of the areas, I believe it was called the Temple of Sibala. And they were talking about how this was an indigenous temple to the Paiute and just standing there with my dad and being like, dad, this is a sanctuary. And he's like, I know I feel it was so powerful. And I had my camera and it just, you know, to be able to have those connections in adulthood with my family is, is so meaningful. Um, and I'm just really grateful. And as I've kind of used my artistry to kind of call to what Alicia talked about is, is artists really are in a lot of ways at times, the first people to say, Hey, I can help. I might not have resources, but I can help. I, um, I, uh, I decolonized my school mascot was one of my first attempts to start using my art to make statements louder than I had in the past. And so Share about that. Share about that. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, I, I graduated from University of Colorado Boulder. That had been my dream top pick school since I was 10 years old. And so to graduate from there was just super exciting. But uh, those of you who might not know, the mascot is a buffalo. And actually CU Boulder has a live buffalo um, named Ralphie that they bring out for football games. I have lots of thoughts about that. We'll skip that for now. Um, but what I took to do with that is that I then painted a buffalo painting and because I'm walking around CU Boulder campus like I'm like I know what buffalo means to me buffaloes are very sacred they're so meaningful they give us so much um and I'm like walking around and I'm not seeing that representation of what the buffalo means to me we have that picture too yeah this woman so I painted I painted what I thought it should be and um the decolonization of my school mascot. And I'm actually super excited. This is going to be at uh, the 15 year event as well so that people can kind of see, see that. And Alicia touched on it is this very beautiful way that we as artists can kind of reclaim and rewrite, you know, histories. Cause, cause you know, we've talked a little bit about that dark history, but like through art, we can shine a light on it. We can help express the collective grief, but then we can also express the collective celebration. And I think that there's something so powerful. And that's part of, you know, why I get stoked working for her many voices. That's wonderful. Um, I'm going to just um, touch on one more thing. Uh, and then I know we will have um, Alicia, our founder, come back and join us. Um, I'm having, you know, every single time I do this, I have an epiphany, right? There's always something that new, it's a new angle, it's a new uh, realization that deepens, I think, uh, my own understanding, and I'm sure some of the viewers as well. Um, but using nature as a connection to our ancestors, Ooh. right? I mean, considering also that Mother Earth is this living, breathing entity that we all connect to both mentally, emotionally, and physically, right? There's the emotions of seeing all the elk and knowing that this is part of their um, circle of life and their mating ritual. And then also, you know, the idea that when we stand on the ground, we're grounding and that literally the electromagnetic frequency of the earth and hugging trees is in our bodies, right? Okay, I love that. Um, 
And then the next deeper piece for me personally is that that's also a connection to our ancestors. So I want to thank you for kind of helping me get to this point. Um, yeah. Do you want to say anything about that? Yeah. I mean, it's important connection to our ancestors. I mean, especially for BIPOC communities that might not have had that, like BIPOC communities are reclaiming spaces that have always been ours as stewards of the land. And it's been really cool. So one of the things that I do and how I kind of um, come in and work with her many voices is in their various strategies. And so it's really cool to celebrate some, a lot of the content creators out there. Like I give a nod to social media content creators who are creating connection, who are creating content and conversation around reclaiming spaces, connecting with our ancestors and really being outdoors. Cause like I said, I didn't realize growing up, like until I got older, I was like, wait, I didn't see anybody that looked like our family or like me, or even like my dad outside. And to know that that was, you know, especially in Colorado, like a lot of the outdoor recreation things that we did, like maybe, you know, skiing and hiking and camping were, you know, predominantly white spaces, but BIPOC communities have always been a part of those things. And actually it's so vital to us, like from a physical standpoint of what you talked about, the grounding, the physical, like I know for me, like I've struggled with anxiety um, a lot in my life and when I'm out in nature, like that anxiety just falls. When I'm on the water, I live out here in New England and I love being able to go on the river or swim in the lake. Like I just feel so refreshed and powerful. And I do hear like, I, like my mom, I hear my ancestors. I hear that connection. It is so key for BIPOC community people to have that, especially if we've had that taken from us as many of us have. And so I do want to give a nod to like some of the, the creators um, that are out there because I used to be a very, very avid hiker and like hiking every weekend, you know, I've done 14ers. And when I moved to New England, I, years ago, I um, got Lyme disease and I kind of stopped because of the complications of that. But a few years ago, I came out of like hiking retirement for Summits in Solidarity, which that is their goal is to, to amplify, um, amplify BIPOC, you know, outdoors, people in the outdoors space. And so I think about like Fat Black and Getting It, who is a person who kind of encouraged me to get out of hiking retirement. And, you know, there's like Black Hiking Queen and Melanin Base Camp and Outdoor Afro. And so it's been really, really cool and so exciting to now see how social media, because that's the magic of it. That's why I work at it. Um, through my agency is because I love that the power that social media holds to be able to show people and connect people to conversations, to experiences they might not have had otherwise. And so I, I get really excited to see all of these BIPOC people in the outdoors reclaiming space, um, LGBTQ plus IA, plus size people, right? Because like you can hike, like you, like there's no one type of person that is in the outdoors. And I think that this is a really good segue into share a little bit of a project that I'm so excited. Like I actually am excited, I'm grateful for, is that for Earth Day, for Her Many Voices, we are going to be leading a get outside day. I'm gonna be in Colorado, going back to my roots, connecting with ancestors and doing a outdoor adventure. 
uh, more on where, but it will be some in mid-April before the big Earth Day event. But we're also encouraging people anywhere in the world to get outside, to connect with Mother Nature. Because the other piece is that I don't want, you know, people to feel like even looking to Alicia, who grew up in New York, like we know that there can be so many barriers and obstacles to the outdoors. And as more people are reclaiming that, we also want to honor any which way people get outside and, and cultivate and create and interact with Mother Nature, be it a community garden, be it a park, you know, be it those big epic hikes, be it rock climbing. Um, there's just so many ways to get outside. And you get the benefits in your little local park where your city park as much as in the mountains and a big hike, right? 100%. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to bring Alicia in now and just join us for the, as we kind of wrap up here, we're not done yet, but I just want to bring her in because she's part of all this. Ladies, oh boy, I tell you, Victoria, there's so much of your story that I can identify with, you know, and we have to remember we are all tribal people, no matter where on this planet we've come from, we are all tribal people. We were all connected to nature at some point. We all relied on nature, you know, nature was, was all of spirit. That was everyone's religion in the very beginning. Right. Um, so we're just coming full circle with it. That's all we're doing right now. I'm so excited that you are leading the charge for this hike. Yeah, we're going to be, we'll actually be at uh, the NOCO event, the Northern Colorado Hemp Expo. And um, with Morris Beagle, that's his baby. You know, we had Morris on here a couple of months ago. And, um, and we'll be in Estes Park. And yes, speaking to the beauty of nature, it is gorgeous there. For those of you who've never been, first of all, you got to go visit Colorado because it's so beautiful. But to be up in the mountains and in the Estes area, there is something about it to, to go into those backwoods. There's a vibration there. There's a vibration anywhere as soon as we're off the beaten path. Mm -hmm. uh, that's for sure. And I don't come from, from me. Um, I grew up in New York City, but I needed that connection. I went to an agricultural high school. We had a little four-acre piece of property in the city, and that's where it started for me. That's not so little. <laughs> New York is not so little. That's right for the, the city. city. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, and and so for the first couple of years of high school, that's what I was doing. And then I had an opportunity when I was a little older. I think I was maybe sixteen to get a job. And in the mornings, I was at an equine uh, place. You know, I was out there at the stables every morning, mucking those stalls, and then being able to go into the woods to ride in one of the parks in New York. And then from there, I went to an agricultural university. You know, and these were the ways that I could connect. And I was that child who would go fishing with my father. Yes, off the piers off the piers in Far Rockaway. And, you know, occasionally we'd find something, you know, to catch something, but more often we would just spend the day out there fishing. And then we would go to the fish guy who just came in with his boat, get a piece of bluefish, come home and tell mom what we caught, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. Yes, the fish story, you know, the fish story. The fish story yeah. <laughs> This story, like it, it changes in size and shape and color and how many and yes. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, that, that tells me so much about your background that makes uh, even your work right now as an advocate for hemp even more obvious. You know, I was talking to, I have some family who are in town right now. We were discussing how I actually, for a number of years, I was a member of the FAA, the Future Excuse FFA, the Future Farmers of America, um, and that's something that you know it sounds hokey, it sounds a little on the corny side, hearing it today, but it really made a difference for me because it helped me to really engage and connect with nature. And when you grow up in an area, you know, New York is considered a concrete jungle. Um, you have to find it where you can. And to be quite honest, I go back home to New York now and I can be in the busiest of streets and I can take a moment and I can connect to that tree, that little branch, that whatever, that blade of grass. And I can do that and I can ground myself and we get to connect. And that energy and that life reminds me of who I am and why I am. I love that the who I am and the why I am and it's it's so key because I feel that too and actually it does it feels like this hawk full circle moment to be doing the 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 hike you know and the Earth Day celebration and you know encouraging people along to come alongside us you know so you don't have to be in Estes Park with us so if you'd like to you know please come join us but we want to encourage people anywhere in the world I also have the cool uh just showing the swag for <laughs> people that pledged to uh to get outside with us you know anywhere in the world whether it be the park whether it be the community garden whether it be in Estes Park with us get this cool medicine wheel so I think about this full circle moment as I was talking about the elk and going to Estes Park with my family and knowing how much the elk mean to my mom. And I know she's here now. Hi, mom. <laughs> yes, well, Teresa, thank you for joining well, us today. Just uh, giving some love and I, uh, you know, just to keep people engaged on social, I'll, I'll, we can share on her many voices, the picture of my mom and I in a, in our ribbon skirts and um, in that moment, um, and oh it's up you guys are so they're so good we have we really have a great team but this is my mom and I and this is her first ribbon skirt and just that moment of reclamation and so to to go full circle um to be where I was and here now um and to to be in Estes and see the elk and to uh be with Alicia it feels so aligned it feels why I love what I do and who I get to work with um, every day. Um, so I'm just really honored. Would you, would you please share just a minute about your company and what you're doing? Because you you approach marketing in a different way. It's really more about the authenticity and the stories, the things we've been doing here and demonstrating. But please share a little bit about that. Yeah. So in my company, we use visual and verbal storytelling to, as a means of marketing. And it's all it's the key is about relationships and it's, it's about building connection through artistry, through stories, through creativity, because we know the power of a story. We know the power of a good story. Um, and so I spent a number of years in in marketing in a, a more corporate space and I just felt that disconnect. 
and I wanted to be able to use the skills that I that I have, you know, that degree from CU Boulder in communications. Um, I had spent a number of years also teaching Spanish, and I realized that the relationships were so key in that, um, you know, in anything. And so I kind of mixed it all together. We love a good mix around here. <laughs> and, and said, this is how I think that this company should, should show up. And, and I've done that. And um, I was on a podcast talking about it. Isola heard of it and said, Alicia, you should talk to this woman because she believes in, in storytelling and how that creates much like we did here. And Mikey also has a elk sound for us, so we can hear that. <laughs> Let's hear it. There we go. So when you go to Estes, Thank you for I that. Love it. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was awesome. Oh my gosh. Um, Alicia, I want to see what else you want to add here. But before we do, I know we've kind of made a couple of, we've been talking about two big events coming up and I'll start with NOCO. That's in Estes Park and that is April 11th through the 13th. Um, yes. And that's really an event. Do you want to share a little bit more about that before we talk about the gala? Yeah, so NOCO, it's the Northern Colorado Hemp Expo. Um, I believe this is the 10th year for them. And the past few years, Her Many Voices has had a reasonable presence there. We always have a booth, and then we usually sponsor the Diversify Room. Uh, I think we're back. I think we're back. We're back. <laughs> you know, all I can say is that nature does not freeze you in those uncomfortable positions. <laughs> and then completely just lose you along the way, right? Oh, the joys of technology. Um, so I was, talking about, I was talking about NOCO, and, um, and so it's the Northern Colorado Hemp Expo, and we've had this presence there for the past few years. And so, yes, at first I was thinking I couldn't make it, but we've switched out the schedule, and so I'll definitely be there. And we've got Tamara Kantav joining as well. She is our new uh, elected board chair. And, um, and so Aisla and Victoria and Melissa and Shanoa will all be there. And then after NOCO, all of these beautiful people are going to be joining me in Amsterdam because we're extending and expanding and we're doing our, um, our Earth Day event will also be included here in Amsterdam. And we've joined forces with seven billion presidents. Uh, we've got a, a two-day weekend um, gathering of workshops that we're going to be doing, and her many voices will be bringing in the indigenous wisdom and uh, topics on LGBTQ. Um, so we're going to be doing that. And then Victoria is going to be spending time interviewing people, getting little snippets of, of stories there and um, connecting with indigenous peoples here in this side of the pond as well. Um, I'm so, so thoroughly looking forward to it. The last time we were doing Something similar to this, it was um, with the Children in Nature's Network. You talked about that earlier, Myrna. And um, 
and we had Chief Lee Plenty Wolf was with us. And then Tommy came, he was doing art and Melissa was there doing her art presentation as well. And Shanoa was also there. So uh, it did my heart good because, um, you know, there's nothing like being with family in this. So I am so grateful that you ladies are gonna be joining me here. So I get to have family yet again um, as we move forward and we honor Mother, we are going to be doing the Honor the Earth Festival here. In Amsterdam. In Amsterdam, yeah. Lovely, lovely. Uh, let's let's talk about the gala. It's March 2nd, Saturday night. It's only a few weeks away. It's going to be amazing, as we've, we've mentioned it, but we hadn't really kind of circled back to that. So I'd love to have anyone who's even thinking about it to look at the information and join us for that evening. It's really going to be amazing. Um, I know Victoria mentioned uh, Theo Wilson. He'll be he'll be there uh, with a role as MC. We'll have uh, Tommy Nahulu doing live art, right, Alicia? Yes, and, yeah. be doing live. Yes, and we've got Tashia Love. She's going to be presenting as well. Um, yeah, and and Theo is also going to be sharing some of his spoken word too. Awesome. Yeah. 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 And so I'm sure we'll have other surprises along the way too. Other surprises, um, super excited. And uh, are, can we talk about the food, Alicia? Oh my goodness, yes, yeah. So I'm really excited. We've got Tokabe is coming. And Tokabe, for those of you who are not aware, it's uh, a Native American um, eatery. And they started out in Denver and they branched out a little bit. I think they have three restaurants now and then they have their food truck. So they're going to be catering for us. Um, and then we do have, um, we've got, uh, is it the appetizers? We've got in the Price of Life doing appetizers. I know they're coming in to do some things for us as well. Um, yeah, so between that, you know, come for the appetizers and stick around, have the bison. <laughs> um, I mean, it, you gotta have the fry bread. Like, I just know <laughs> that that is the key thing of like an indigenous, like wisdom-based party that talks about BIPOC solidarity also has to have fry bread. So that that's your selling point to get your ticket so you can get your fry bread. Yes. <laughs> And I would say, please, please, please. I've had a number of people who said, oh yeah, that sounds great and I'm coming. We need you to buy tickets because it really helps us and it helps our catering folks when they know how many people they have to prepare for. So, um, you know, hit the button, get your ticket. And by the way, if you find, oh, you know what? I'm not gonna be in town for that time and you want to support the organization, purchase a ticket for someone else. We are looking for people to purchase tickets and we can distribute within the BIPOC community. Um, it, that would help a great deal as well. That's yeah. a wonderful idea, thank you. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, I just want to say, Victoria, do you have anything else to add here before we wrap up the show? Yeah, I mean, I just want to say thank you so much. I mean, I. I just feel so honored um, to work with her many voices and to be seen um, authentically and 
all the different sides of me and all the different multitudes. I think that there's something really beautiful and powerful about that. Um, and I'm super grateful for that. And, you know, more information to come about the Get Outside Day, where we're just going to collectively encourage as many people to get outside and engage with Mother Nature as possible. And the first hundred people that pledge to get outside with us get this cool medicine wheel holographic sticker. Uh, we only made a hundred of them, so pledge early. Also buy your ticket for the Her Many Voices celebration, and I'm ready to cut up a rug. So. <laughs> Wonderful. We'll see you there. Thank you. All right, ladies, thank you so much. This was a beautiful night, and I'm looking forward to seeing you all in a couple of weeks. Yes, thank you. Thank, thank you so much. so much. Thank you. This is awesome. Thanks, Thanks Mikey. Thank you, Aisla. Her many voices.